It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What you doing? Ran out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions. You are Locked On Packers. Your daily podcast on the Green Bay Packers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team. Every day. And you are Locked On Packers. Hello, this is Bill Huber, the publisher of PackerReport.com, part of the Scout.com network, which brings you some of the best NFL and college football coverage that you will find anywhere. And it's Friday, and it's our final look ahead to Sunday's NFC Championship game between the Packers and Falcons at the Georgia Dome. If you didn't know, kickoff is at 2.05 p.m. on Sunday. I cannot pull off the Behind Enemy Lines podcast, so you're stuck with me today, and that for that I apologize we're going to go keys to the game for this final podcast of the week. First, though, we'll lead off with Jordy Nelson's day on first down. But before we dig into that stuff, I might like to remind you to check out the rest of the great Lockdown Podcast Network, the fastest-growing podcast network in the world and potentially the entire galaxy. Um, I am unaware of any alien podcast network, so I think we're probably number one there. Um, that would include Lockdown NFL, Lockdown NFL Draft, and Lockdown Falcons to get you ready for Sunday. And of course, please check out my humble website, PackerReport.com, home of the world's best preview, also the world's longest preview. Hopefully not home of the world's most overhyped preview. So I've gotten a lot of kind words from you guys via email, and for that I am, I am incredibly grateful for that. I'll be writing a bunch of that today, obviously, and probably in the car on Saturday. I am driving to the game. You all think I'm probably crazy. But it's cheaper and that is better for the uh, Huber family fund if I drive. So I'm going with Rob Reichel from Packers Plus. We'll, uh, we'll take team to driving, and I'll be running some of the preview in the car while he drives through the great state of Illinois, which means I don't have to look at the, uh, the great state of Illinois, and that's a, a victory for me. All right, like I mentioned, first down will be Jordy Nelson's day on Thursday, and what it might mean for Sunday. Then the keys to the game stuff will be uh, offense second down, Defense third down, and that, of course, would mean special teams on fourth down. All right, Jordy Nelson. I don't think he's going to play. I still don't think he's going to play. But the big butt comes in here. And in this case, you probably all like big butts, and you cannot lie. I don't even know who sings that. Someone said Hammer? I have no idea. Stuck on my head, though. Anyway, you know, I am Mr. Pop Culture. I reminded you of that a long time ago. So I got to practice on Thursday. Jordy Nelson's jogging, you know, doing the opening jog stuff to warm up and think, well, maybe this will be his uh, limited participation for the day. But instead, the offense goes out. The offense always starts the day running through plays against nobody. It's, it's, it's the offense against air. Nelson's out there, takes a few snaps. Okay, fine. Then heads off to the side. Comes back in a few minutes later. He ends up catching three, three passes during this. Whoop-de-doo, he caught three passes. But hey, he's got broken ribs. Caught three passes, and then later, it's now offense against a scout team. A scout team of offensive players. So it's more, it's more they call it a, a look team. And Nelson's out there again doing that stuff, catching some passes, and then they go through individual drills. And basically, their quarterbacks are just throwing long passes down the field. 
Um, the receivers, not exactly running full speed for him. It's uh, like a three-quarter speed kind of drill, and he's catching those too. Um, I thought notably there were a few passes that were thrown high, and he reached up and caught them. So, I, you know, again, without having ever having broken ribs, I don't know. But I would think it would be hard to extend your hands over your head. Now, obviously, there are no safeties going to whack him in the ribs on these plays. And the safeties have a very, very hard-hitting rookie by the name of Keanu Neal. But certainly good sight. He took a lot of reps. I mean, I would say he took as many reps as Randall Cobb and, Je- and uh, Jeff Janis and, and the guys who probably are going to play. So, I still don't think he's a play. Oh, oh yeah. Probably the most noteworthy thing here. He was not in pads. The rest of the team wasn't. The rest of the team worked in pads. He did not. I would assume that means he's not been cleared for contact. That's my assumption. Uh, we'll talk to McCarthy about that um, this morning to get some of the scoop on that. Um, the rest of the injury report. The, the noteworthy items of the injury report, anyways. On the did not participate list, receiver Devontae Adams with the ankle, uh, receiver Geronimo Allison hamstring, safety Morgan Burnett thigh. Adams talked to us for about eight minutes yesterday. And the elephant in the room, so to speak, here with Adams is he hurt his ankle early in 2015 and just ruined his season. It was one of the worst, without, without hyperbole, it was one of the worst seasons in NFL history by a wide receiver. If you combine uh, catch percentage, yards per catch, he was just terrible in both of those things. Um, Adam said he would not play like that. So we'll see. Of course, I don't know if he's even going to play. Um, he's not. He didn't practice on Wednesday or Thursday. He's not sure he's going to practice on Saturday. This could be a game-time decision on Sunday, a, a pregame workout to see what he can do. He's got to play. And we'll get into that in the keys of the game later. But he's got to play. Um, safety Morgan Burnett did not talk to us again for the second day. Kind of grabbed his stuff and walked off. Obviously, he would be a, a key item here as well. I mean, Kentrell Bryce has done some good things, but I would take Morgan Burnett every day of the week and twice on Sunday at, at safety. And going from did not participate to full was Julius Peppers. Of course, he didn't practice on Wednesday for rest. And then from limited to full was wide receiver Jeff Janis, who they're obviously going to need. Another guy they're going to need is Trevor Davis. Um, he's not in the injury part, but I forget I mentioned him here. Uh, Mike McCarthy said on Thursday that Davis is ready and has been ready. He's been a tough guy to make inactive over the weeks, but the receivers have been playing so well and they haven't needed him. So we'll see. If you remember, you go back to that first game, Janice and Allison and Davis all caught touchdown passes in that game. And for Atlanta, only four guys in our injury report, and one of those is Julio Jones. He has not practiced this week. But I'll be ready to go, he said, um, to reporters in Atlanta on Thursday. If your company is interested in talking to men between the ages of 18 to 54, then your company can be advertised right here in this show. Our audience is 97% men and 79% between the ages of 18 and 44. Recent surveys have shown that podcast listeners are 65% more willing to consider purchasing products they learn about from podcasts and 60% give an equal price and quality, prefer to purchase from their companies that advertise on their favorite podcast. And I know I'm your favorite podcast. Right? <laughs> so anyway, our rates are reasonable. If interested, please email me at packwriter 
at yahoo.com. That is packwriter2002 at yahoo.com. All right, takes us to second down, and that would be keys to the game for Green Bay's offense. The big matchup up front is Packers right tackle Brian Balaga against Atlanta's second-year pass rusher Vic Beasley. Beasley led the NFL in sacks with 15.5. Not just that, he led the NFL in forced fumbles with six. Now, Balaga's had a great year, and he won was an overwhelming winner in that first matchup. Beasley did get one sack. That was on a on a, uh, a stunt, so to speak, where he was spying quarterback Aaron Rodgers like he had done frequently throughout the game and then came on a, on a delayed blitz and got home. Balaga's got to win that matchup. Beasley, his improved throughout the years, you'd expect from a second-year guy, added some more moves to the repertoire, but he is, as uh, left tackle Brian, or Brian Balaga, his left tackle David Bakhtiari said yesterday, he's light in the ass, part of my language, but he is unbelievably quick. And that's the kind of guy who is basically tailor-made for these dome games, these uh, field turf kind of games. It'll be a big challenge for Balaga. Balaga, of course, has been up to the task pretty much all year. But he has not faced a guy like this. I mean, usually the premier rushers come from the left side. He comes from the right. And, you know, if, if Green Bay can block him, they're going to be set. They don't have anybody else in their roster with more than three sacks. And that's Dwight Freeney and Grady Jarrett. Freeney... Like 150 years old. He's actually, actually, I think he's 36, a little younger than Peppers. But if Green Bay can pr- protect Rodgers from Beasley, I would think it's uh, Rodgers is going to have a big game. Key number two, and I got into this in the injury report part of the show. Adams, Devonta Adams. They have to have Devonta Adams. There are no ifs, ands, or buts. I'm not talking to him about him playing. They need him playing well. They need him being. They need him being him. It reminds me of uh, when we talked to Jordy Nelson on Wednesday when he was asked about playing. Nelson said that he can't be playing like some, quote, random person out there. And that's Adams. He has to play and he can't be just some random person. He's got to be able to fight through that ankle. Now, of course, this is all great podcast talk, right? You've got to be able to fight through it. It's hard to fight through ankles. If, ankle, if ankles aren't right, I mean, you can be the world's toughest person, but if you can't push off on it, then you can't be you. So I think this is the wise approach from McCarthy, Coach Mike McCarthy and Adams this week and not practicing and just get ready for Sunday and hope he's good to go for 40, 50, 60 plays in that game. He's going to be obviously a giant part of the offense because you know what? If Nelson can't play, it has been Adams who's been so, so big in keeping this Green Bay offense going. In the two games, he's caught 13 passes for 201 yards. That's number one in catches, number one in yards. Also, the 15.5-yard average is number one. The only guy who's got that beat is Richard Rodgers, but he only caught one pass. <laughs> Excuse me, one pass. So, among guys with multiple catches, his 15.5-yard average is number one on the team. He has been, he's been terrific all year. He's been their big play guy. You know, whether it's catching passes down the field or turning something short into something more, he's been really, really good, and they need him. Out there again, you know it's going to be a shootout. If you if you don't have the horsepower to win a shootout, then how in the hell are you going to win this game? And along with that, it's you know Geronimo Allison's a key. He hasn't done much in the postseason. Four catches, fifty-four yards, but he's come through at times when they've needed him. You know, just think after that Week Seventeen game at Detroit when he was pressing the service, sneak off four passes for what ninety-one yards. I think. 
something along those lines when Cobb was out. Certainly, so again, anything Allison can give him would be would be big. He's got a hamstring injury. You know, the question with Allison here is, can he play without practicing? I mean, you know, veterans can do it because they they you know they got the chemistry with with the quarterback and they know the plays and they understand it all. Does Allison have the mental aptitude to be like a veteran and go out there and play? I mean, look, the guy hasn't had 800 reps this year. He hasn't averaged even 30 snaps a game. He's played 30 at times down the stretch, but I, I, I don't know if he's up to it. And in a game like this where, look, you, you know Atlanta's going to score, and it puts the pressure on you to score, and it puts the pressure on you to not turn it over, how good do you feel about Geronimo Allison with limited to no practice? How good do you feel about Jeff Janis, who hasn't done a whole lot this year? He's got, uh, what has he got here? He's got 11 catches for the season. How good do you feel about Trevor Davis, who's got three catches for the season? And it's not just that. In the last 10 games, I looked this up yesterday, they've caught, um, Davis and Janice have caught a combined two passes. So how good do you feel about that triumvirate of guys not screwing up something? You know, I was at practice yesterday. Look, this is why you practice, so don't get too riled up about this. But I saw two mental errors. Rodgers threw the ball one place, and the receivers weren't there. And one of those would have been a pick in a game. So, again, I think that's why you practice to, to get the iron out, that kind of stuff. But you need your veteran guys out there. You, so you need Adams to play. And you need Randall Cobb. Of course, he's not injured. But, but you need Randall Cobb at his best, too. And Cobb's got the matchup here against Tyrone Poole, an undrafted rookie slot corner. Cobb's got to win that one. Just got to win it. Cobb, 12 for 178 and three touchdowns in the postseason. In the last matchup, Green Bay's got to win. Again, we're, we're going all primers. I think Green Bay will protect Rodgers for forever in this game. Jared Cook. Cook obviously had a, has had a great postseason. He's got been terrific down the stretch the last five games, like 24 catches. Atlanta's defense, look, they're vulnerable everywhere. But in, in terms of fantasy points allowed to tight ends, and, and, don't, and don't roll their eyes at fantasy stats here. Fantasy stats are yards, catches, and touchdowns. So fantasy points, are, I think, are a really good indicator of where your defense is against position groups. Atlanta's defense finished with the sixth worst defense against tight ends. So you match that with red-hot Jared Cook. I'm taking Cook to have a big game. And finally, the situational stuff I think is always key. And I'm going to go red zone here on both offense and defense and red zone. Green Bay finished 10th in red zone touchdown percentage. Atlanta dead last. 32nd. They've allowed touchdowns on 73% of opponent red zone positions in Green Bay's last four games. 13 touchdowns out of 14 trips. Just let that sink in for a minute. 13 touchdowns, 14 trips. Green Bay's got a score. Obviously, again, I'm going to repeat myself in a minute here, too. In a shootout, you can't score three points when you're when you're in scrambling. You gotta get seven every single time you can get seven. And I like red, obviously you gotta love Green Bay's red zone opportunities against the Falcons. And that takes us to third down, the keys to the game on defense. Now I'm gonna I apologize for this one. This is as cliche as can be. It starts up front. It, it always starts up front. I know. Someone should slap me and say, "Hey, 
dumb I said the wrong word. Hey, you big dummy. Don't be Captain Obvious here, but... The mismatches look so extreme in the secondary that you, you have to win. You, if you're going to beat the Falcons, you've got to win somewhere, right? Atlanta's offensive line has started every single game together. It's a good group. Not a great group. The run, the run offense is great. They, they pile up a bunch of rushing yards. The rushing average is great. But Ryan's been sacked a lot. His sack percentage is pretty high. I think, it's, I think in sack rate, he's 24th. You got to win up front. So that starts with stopping the run. Somehow stopping the run. Easier said than done there. When running back Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman have combined for 1,599 yards and 19 rushing touchdowns. That's an awful lot of production. And for the season, the Falcons average 4.6 yards per carry. Atlanta's a team. Almost 2,000 rushing yards. That was the fifth most in the NFL. And I believe their 4.6 average is also number five. They ran for 20 touchdowns. This is a great running attack. Now, if you take Matt Ryan off the field, maybe it's not a great running attack. But for what it is, in a spread-the-field kind of game, you really like Atlanta's running backs. And, you know, I asked Capers about um, the diversity of Atlanta's passing game. And instead, he led right off with Atlanta's running backs. So big-time production there. You've got to stop those guys. Because obviously, if you're Dom Capers, there's a big difference between calling plays on second and eight as opposed to second and five. And there's a gigantic advantage between calling plays on third and five and third and one. You've got to somehow stop the running game and force Atlanta to be one-dimensional. Now, of course, having Atlanta one-dimensional doesn't mean you're going to actually beat Atlanta's passing game. But at least gives you a fighting chance, doesn't it? Second key, again, no-brainerville here. Julio Jones is the best receiver in football, bar none. He is big, he is fast, he is strong, he's got good hands, he'll run you over, he catches the deep ball, you name it, he does it. In 14 games, 83 catches, 1,409 yards, a 17-yard average, six touchdowns. In terms of yards per game, he led the NFL. He did nothing in the first game. He fell on his back early in the game. It was a, basically burned a decoy. Three catches, 29 yards. It's going to be up to Gunter. Now, Gunter's obviously not going to be one-on-one. But for the most part, it's going to be Gunter. Now, when, when Jones goes into the slot, then he becomes Micah Hyde's problem. But when Jones on the outside, it's up to Gunter. And as you know, Gunter's done really good at times. Ask Odell Beckham Jr., and he's done really bad at times. Ask Des Bryant. Ask Terrence Williams in the first game. So, Gunter's run hot and cold. And this is what you'd expect from a guy with his roots. I really like Gunter, though. Um, the guy isn't phased by anything. Nothing bothers this kid. He's gone from a guy fighting for a roster spot. And I, I didn't think there was much of a doubt that he was going to make it. But that's probably his mindset back in camp. Where Shields is one, Randall's two, Rollins three. And, you know, he didn't do a whole lot as a rookie. I mean, he wasn't asked to do a whole lot as a rookie. It's, it's not a negative. But he wasn't asked to do a whole lot as a rookie. When Casey Hayward's in the bunch and you're basically the number five guy. So he's gone from not having to do anything, really, to being the guy week after week after week. It's unbelievable what he's been asked to do. And look, it's by default. I mean, let, let's, let's be truthful, right? If Demarius Randall 
was healthy and playing good, he would be the number one guy. If Quentin Rollins was healthy and playing good, he'd be the number one guy. But neither one have been healthy, and neither one have played well. Gunter's been healthy, and he's played reasonably well at times. So at least he gives you the size. He gives you the size and the physicality and the length to combat Jones. Now, can he stay with him? That's a whole other ball of wax. And that's, of course, where it helps getting back to winning in the trenches. If you can hurry Ryan, it helps take away the deep game. Therefore, take it makes Gunter's job a whole lot easier. I mean, Gunter, on back-to-back questions about Jones, said, well, we have to get him off the spot talking about Ryan. So, big challenge for Gunter. He's going to give up some plays. He just can't give up too many. And then the other matchup in the passing game is Taylor Gabriel. Boy, he has just come out of nowhere. They, they restricted free agent from Cleveland. Gabriel signs there. He had the long touchdown against Meech Goodson in the first game. For the season, 35 catches, 579 yards. It stands out as a 16.5-yard average. And he, and he tied Jones for the team lead with six touchdowns. Against Seattle last week, four for 71. A 17.8-yard average. Micah Hyde is maybe Ben Green Bay's best defender the last four, five, six games. Not just best DB, best defender. But Gabriel's going to be a really tough matchup. He is fast, and that is not Micah Hyde's forte. Micah Hyde's a terrific player, but Gabriel is made for turf. That seems like it's going to be a tough matchup for Hyde. But, you know, Hyde did a really good job last week against Cole Beasley, and, um, you know, Gabriel's a different player. He's faster than Beasley, but Beasley had quickness and was super productive this year. So here's just some confidence there, and we'll, we'll go red zone here again. Green Bay um, 28th in the red zone defense. Atlanta's offense, 20, offense was 9th. But for what it's worth, Atlanta just one out of three in the red zone against Seattle. So, hey, you take any, uh, you take any positive you can going into this game, and you have to try to somehow find a way to keep this Falcons offense in check. And finally, fourth down. This will be super short on the special teams. Two keys here. Number one, and this is my key um, against, uh, I think, a Detroit game, maybe. Just don't screw up. And that's directed a lot to, to Kristen Michael. I mean, I asked Ron Zook about Michael returning kickoffs on Thursday, he gave no inkling they're making a change. So it's going to be Janice and Michael back there. Michael's had six kickoff returns this year. Six. Actually, hang on a second. That might not be. No, no, that's right. Six kickoff returns from Michael. Six returns. He's dropped two. Not a good ratio. 333 is a great batting average in baseball. And you get paid a, a boatload of money. A 333 average is a kickoff returner. Bad news. If I'm Atlanta, I am not kicking touchbacks. Matt Bosher or Bosher, whatever the heck the punter's name is, he's got a big leg. He finished second in touchbacks. I am not kicking touchbacks. I am kicking that ball to Kristen Michael every single time, and I am making him field. And you know, if he runs it out to the 30 or 35-yard line, then God bless you. I like my odds. I like my odds if I'm Atlanta of him screwing up something. Because you know what? Two out of six is not good. So if you're a Green Bay, just don't screw it up. If you're the punt returner, which I assume would be Micah Hyde, look, he hasn't screwed up anything all year anyway, but you don't need a, a single yard of punt return average. 
just field the ball and get your offense in the field. And if you're Jeff Janis, take what's there, don't cough it up. And that ball goes one yard into the end zone, you catch that sucker and you take a knee, and you let the offense take over the 25 and say, thank you very much for kicking the ball into the end zone. You've done us a huge favor. <laughs> that's just how, that's how I see that. The other key, Atlanta's best player is Weems. Eric Weems sees a 10-year guy, averaged 23 yards at kickoff returns, averaged 11.4 on punt returns. I would think Crosby can get mostly touchbacks in a dome game. And Jake shows him really, really good on punts, as I mentioned in previous podcasts. He was number one in the entire NFL in uh, percentage of punts that were returned. So that's one, one way to negate Weems. I mean, even at age 30, what, 32 for Weems, he's a still an excellent punt returner. And how do you negate that? You just don't let him return it. And there's not been a punter in the NFL better than Shum at that phase of the game. And also on Weems, a team-high 15 tackles on special teams. So Green Bay special teams have played really well down the stretch, and they'll need to do it again. You know, again, just get a draw here. You know, don't let them return any. Hopefully you, you either kick touchbacks or cover the kickoffs. And then, on, and then on, on, in your return phase, you know, just don't turn it over. You know, just let your offense have the football and do their work. And that will do it for this episode of Locked On Packers. Thank you, as always, for listening. and Enjoy the games on Sunday. What a weekend of games. Again, Packers fell because at 205 Central, New England, Pittsburgh at New England at about 5.30, 6 o'clock. I honestly have no idea what the time that game is, and I won't be watching it. I'll be in Atlanta. Bring in the earplugs. It'll be a great game. And I look forward to talking to you afterward with my uh, good friend from Packer Report, Keith Hordake. Again, enjoy the games. Thank you, as, thank you as always for listening. And I'll talk to you late on Sunday. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash Thanks for listening to the Locked On Podcast Network, but why stop now? Check out the daily Locked On Podcast Network for your favorite NBA team. Find it right now in your favorite podcast app, and be sure to subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. The Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.